So here we are in Hosea. So turn your Bibles to Hosea chapter 2. I want to read verses 14 through 20. So turn Hosea. Hosea is right after Daniel, right before Joel. Hosea 2 verse 14 to 20. The, the, I guess here's the title. And it may be on the board here. Betrothed to Ishi forever. And uh, betrothed to Ishi forever. It's from, verse four, uh, it's from verse 16 that you will call me Ishi. And combined with verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever, says the Lord. So that's where I came up with the title. And that's why we've got to read the, all these verses, 14 through 20, to keep us in context of the title, Betrothed to Ishi Forever. And kind of a roadmap for you. I just want to ask you some questions, and you probably just need to take these questions to your heart um, and, and seek the Lord in all this. The first question is, do you know the Lord? So the first question is, do you know the Lord? And so that's the first question that you want to ask your heart or have God Ask God that, you know, from your heart. And then the, the next question for you is, what name do you have for God? So that, that's, that's kind of the question. It's like, do you know the Lord? What name do you have for Him, for God, for the Lord? And then I'm going to answer, what day are we talking about here in Hosea 2 through 20? And I just want to encourage you, excite you, I guess, with the fact that as Israel is, so are we, betrothed to Ishi, to the Lord, forever. So that's my goal. I have to kind of answer those questions and, and encourage you that you are betrothed to Ishi forever. So hope you'll see that in the text here. But let's, um, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time and be here in a mighty way. And then we'll read the text. How's that? Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for your presence here, Lord. Lord, we, uh, we thank you that your promise is that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of us. So Father God Almighty, we are gathered together here in your name to proclaim your name, to magnify your name, to worship your name, to find strength from your name, to glorify your name, to find help and mercy and, and grace from your name, Lord. So, Father God, do us such a mercy and lift your name on high in this place. Pour out your mercies and grace upon us. Open the heavens and pour out your love upon us, Lord. Help us to know that you are our Husband, you are our issue, God. Open our eyes of our hearts to see this union between us, our souls, and you, Lord. And how nothing can separate us. Nothing can cast us out, Lord. So come, Lord, and give us great understanding and conviction and wisdom and, and knowledge of you. Oh, God, help us to know you. Come to know you even deeper right now and see you and behold wonderful truths that draw us closer to you, Lord. Lead us to repentance. Lead us to bring conviction that brings us closer to your side to find our refuge, our shelter, our peace, and you, God. Help us to find you. Lord, come now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So let's, let's, let's read this. Hosea uh, 2, verse 14 through 20. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness. I'll speak upon her heart. I will give her the vineyards from there, and from the valley of trouble, it will be the door of hope. She'll have a song, and she will sing songs of deliverance as in the days of her youth when I brought her up out of the land of Egypt. They will whistle while they walk. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, my husband, and will no longer call me Bayali, harsh taskmaster. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. In that day, I will also make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I will make them lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. And all God's people will say, Amen. The title is Betrothed to Ishi Forever. And so the first question to you is, do you know the Lord? Yeah, I go to church. I go to Sunday school. I, I, I go to Bible studies. I pray. I have a Christian family. Uh, my uncle's a pastor. My son is a pastor. Whatever. No. Do you know the Lord? Do you know Him? That's a question between you and the Lord. Do you know Him? See, an unknown person cannot be truly and cordially loved. It, it can't. A person that is unknown cannot be truly and cordially loved. So in ignorance or in depravity, we cannot truly love the Lord. We must know Him in order to love Him. He said, I love the Lord. And I'm saying that if you don't know Him, you can't truly love Him. God's love, and I also want to say this. This is so cool. This is beautiful. This is so glorious to get this. God's love is the inspirer of all affection, of all true affection and love. In fact, His love is the very fountain of our love. You know the verse. Not that we love God, but that God first loved us and sent His Son to die for us. But we must know Him in order to love Him. His love to us is the inspirer of all or any of our true love and affection for Him. So He woos us. He woos us. 
He allures us. He speaks to us. He blesses us with gifts. He makes us sing with hope. He removes and replaces our idols. You got to love that. God woos you, says here, come to the wilderness. He reveals to you these are your idols. And then he removes them and he replaces them with himself. He betrothes us to himself and he is our ishi. Our ishi, our, our husband, no longer our taskmaster. So that's the question. Do you know the Lord? Uh, everybody has nicknames for people, right? Like husbands and wives have nicknames for each other. Sweet, sweet endearing names, you know, uh, that, you know, make you blush sometimes and are cute. And some parents have nicknames and endearing words and names to call their children. You know, Mary calls me uh, her buffalo chicken. What is it? The, I forget what it is called now. Bu- a buffalo barbecue chicken wing. <laughs> I said, what's my name? He said, you're my buffalo barbecue chicken wing. And I was like, yeah, I am. You know, it's a cute thing, and it makes me do anything for her that she wants, right? That's not really what I'm saying here for God. I'm not asking you to get a nickname for God. But what name do you have for God? So I want to say, if you don't know him, you can't truly love him. But because he loves you, you love him. And I'm saying, do you know him? And if you know him... What name do you have for him? What name do you have for your God, who, whom you say you know, whom you say you love? See, you've got to understand this. Our, our relation to God is revealed by our name for him. Does that make sense? Our relationship to God is revealed... By our name for him. That's what I'm saying. What is your name for God? You've heard names for God, right? That's the big man upstairs up there. Watch out. (laughs) Is that your name for God? He's the big man upstairs. Watch out for him. He's watching you all the time, ready to strike you with a lightning bolt. Is that the name you have for God? Or is the name you have for God? It's G-O-D. You don't even say his name. You won't even write it. You like make a space between. I can't write it. Ooh, I messed up the writing of it. And you know, don't write in your Bible. Don't say God. Ooh, did you say Jesus? Is the name almost like forbidden to say it's God? Almost spooky, right? Is that a name that you might have for him? Or harsh taskmaster, like he's an abusive dad. Is that the name you have for God? He's a harsh taskmaster. He makes me follow all the rules and do all these things. He's like an abusive dad. Or is he an angry God? You, you have a name for him? He's angry, which God is angry all the time, but God is merciful all the time. Do, do you have it like he's a drunk dad? He's not a drunk dad that's angry all the time. Is he a, is he a scary God? You have a He's scary like my stepdad who was mean to me all the time. I'm just wondering, what name do you have for God? Is he a far away, distant God? He's just like a a dad that just abandoned you. He's he's so far away. You can't talk to him. You can't walk with him. 
You don't go to him for everything. He's he's a distant God. Is that are those are any of those your names for God? Hosea two verse sixteen says, "It will come about in that day," declares the Lord. You won't call me the abusive dad. You won't call me the angry God. You won't call me the distant dad. You won't call me the angry, scary, G-O-D, harsh taskmaster. It will come about in this day that you will call me my husband. You will call me my ishi. It's not a nickname, but it is an endure, endearing term, a loving term, a beautiful communion relationship, a closeness, a safe refuge, a shelter, a hope, a help, a peace in his arms. And and the arms of El Shaddai, your father, he says, I'm more than that. My husband, my buffalo barbecue chicken wing. You don't say that, but it's just as endearing, if not more, my issue. And I'm like, what day is that? It says, in that day it will come about, declares the Lord, talking to Israel as a nation. So this is Hosea, married to Gomer. Gomer is the picture of unfaithful Israel being a prostitute, running around with other gods. God is Hosea. Hosea is coming along saying, I will allure you. And God saying to Israel, it will come about in that day. You will call me Ishi, no longer harsh taskmaster. What day is that? This is a day. That comes after Israel acknowledges and returns to the Lord, saying, I will go back to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. It is after the Lord woos her and allures her into the wilderness and speaks kindly upon her heart and replaces the destroyed vines and fig trees with vineyards. And it is after the Lord replaces the door of trouble with the door of hope. This is the day that God the Lord removes all the names of all the other God replacers so she doesn't even remember their names no more. This is the day that God makes a covenant for them with all the creatures on the earth. Look at it, Hosea 2.18. See, God says, in that day, in that day, what I'm talking about, when I'm going to have you call me Ishi, in that day I will also make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things on the ground. I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the war from the land. And I will make them lie down in safety. That's the day. That's the day yet still to come for Israel. When God comes and takes away the war from the land that's in Israel. He removes the bow, the sword, the war. He makes a a covenant with the animals, with the beast of the field. 
They will no longer be bitten by snakes and stung by bees and ants. There will be a covenant with every creeping creature on the ground. They will all be like friends. Can you even picture it? Maddie, my little seven-year-old daughter, walking around with a leash, and she's got a lion on the end of it. Come here. Come on over here. And the lion just, okay, just walking with her. They're just friends. Do you, can you even imagine it? And that's what God's saying in this day. That's what's going to happen. Isaiah, Isaiah 11, uh, 11, verses 6 through, six through 11, actually, uh, talks of this day or explains this day some more too. So go to Isaiah uh, 11. Isaiah 11, 6 through 11. Um, th- there's more. It says, it says the wolf will dwell with the lamb. <laughs> you don't need Red Riding Hood anymore. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw. Look at that. No more meat eaters. The lion will eat straw like the ox. It's no more death. In that day when God makes a covenant with all of Israel, there's no more death. The lion starts eating straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the winged child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth will be... Why? Why not? Why not, Lord? And there's your answer. The whole earth will be full of knowing God as just... The knowledge of the Lord, well, this is why. As the waters cover the sea, then in that day, the nations will resort to Jesus, the root of Jesse, who will stand as a standard, a signal for the peoples. His resting place will be glorious. It will happen on the day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people who will remain. Do you hear the thousand year reign when Jesus returns? He saves a remnant of Israel. That's what Hosea is talking about. I'm coming back and in this, I forgive my people. I bring them into their land and they dwell. And the baby plays inside of the hole of the cobra and does not get bit. And the young boy leads the lion and the ox and does not get bit. Go back to Hosea 2.16. It says, It will come about in that day, declares the Lord. You will call me Ishi. You will call me my husband. Will no longer call me harsh taskmaster. Let me say again. Our relationship to God is revealed by our name for him. Israel still calls God master. Baali. Everything's Baali. Baal. 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 Master. Harsh taskmaster. God's like no more. And that day when I come, 
wait like a groom, a bridegroom coming to marry his people into this covenant and to be peace and safety and rest and no longer harsh taskmaster. God will have a, a towel wrapped around his waist and he comes to serve again a second time and his hand, he saves the remnant of Israel. That's what this is talking about in this day. And they're going to change from Baali to Ishi. My, my husband. I said it's not a nickname. It's a name that comes through communion and fellowship. Through mercies and grace and love. It's a name of betrothal. It's what a bride says to a husband. You're my man. Do you ever look at your husband and say, you're my man. You're my man. You will melt a husband's heart when that happens. You look at you're my man. That's what this is. It's a bride looking at the bridegroom and saying, you're my man. I have nothing else on earth that I want. You, you are my man. God says it three times. Three times in Hosea 2, 19 through 20. Look at it. He says, he says it three times. I will betroth you to me. It's like an arranged wedding. You got no say. <laughs> but you do have say. I, I, God doesn't want robots, and He just handpicks you and saves you, and you don't have no choice in it all. Okay, yeah, you. I, okay, you're right, but He woes you. He allures you. He takes all your sin and shame and washes you clean and forgives you and has mercy on you, and you go, my man. In other words, God says, I will make you my bride. Watch, look at Hosea 2.19. It says, I will betroth you to me forever. Again in Hosea 2.19, he says, yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and loving kindness and in compassion. And then the third time he says it, Hosea 2.20 says, And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Three times he says, I will betroth you to me. I will make you my bride. I will be your husband. You will call me my man, my husband, my ishi. And hear the conclusion of this. Listen to the conclusion of him saying it three times to you. Then you will know the Lord. Your choice is simple. When you come to know the Lord, He's your man. Jose is showing us that before this day, this day that comes, Israel calls the Lord Baali, 
master. G-O-D. He's watching. <laughs> the big man upstairs is there. Or he's the judge. And, and he is. He is all these things indeed. He is those things. But he, he wants Israel to know and, and all people to know Those who truly know him, he wants you to know him as Ishi, the husband who redeems his wayward bride, Israel. His, his, his wayward bride, Christian. Isaiah 54, 5, it says, maybe have it up there already. Isaiah 54, 5. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who's called the God of all the earth. Walk up backwards in that text. The God of all the earth the Holy One of Israel, the Lord of hosts, the Maker, your Maker, is, help me out, He's your what? He's your Ishi. Your man. Your husband. I'm going to walk it back up through and I'm going to say, He's your what? And all together you guys can say, My husband. That'd be okay, right? Let's walk it back. The God of all the earth, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord of hosts, your maker, He is. He's my husband. He's my Ishi. Is that the name you have for? I want that to be. The new name you have for him, and that reveals your relationship to God. How many of y'all call your mom and dad by their first names? <laughs> None of you, probably. There are some. There are some that have had rough relationships with their parents. They start calling them by their first name. And they start calling them by, it's like a formality. God doesn't want a formal relationship with you. He wants an intimate communion, intercourse of talking and walking and sharing and being with Him every single day of your life. He doesn't want leftovers. He wants all of you. So he betrothes you to himself forever. He betrothes her, Israel, to himself. See, in biblical times, you might need to understand this. Betrothing was the bridegroom, his, the bridegroom's coming, taking the bride into a marriage covenant. That's what betrothing is. Betrothing is when the bridegroom... See, that we don't do that in America. America is, how do we do it? 
the, 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 the bride does everything. And the groom shows up. I'm ready. I'll say I do. Right? I mean, it's, it's simple. Really simple. But that's not how it was in biblical times. That's not how it was in Israel. The bridegroom set up a canopy, a tent. And he came riding in on a horse. And he says, you're mine. He took the bride with him, rode off into the canopy, into the tent that he set up for her. She doesn't know the hour. She doesn't know when he's going to show up. Just like we don't know the hour when Jesus comes. But he's going to come on a white horse and rescue us and take us into the canopy of heaven. Can you say amen? He's our bridegroom and he's coming to take us away to consummate this final marriage in glory. But that's what the bridegroom would do. He'd come and he would grab the bride and take her away. And they would go into this canopy or tent that was set up by the bridegroom for the purpose of consummating the marriage. So God uses this metaphorically as a husband comes to know his wife through intercourse. See, that's that's crazy. There's nothing like it. There's no other relationship on the planet like a husband and a wife coming together in union and becoming one, one flesh. And that picture is to point to our relationship with Jesus Christ. God consummates our marriage with Him by putting His Spirit within us. He brings us into the canopy, into the tent, and he puts his spirit within us and says, you're mine. And you th- My husband, your eyes are open. He says, let there be light, and you're saved. And you're like, what just happened to me? <laughs> you're clueless except you're like, I love God now. It's because he took you away. He puts a spirit within you, causes you to be a new creature, created in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new. You're forgiven. You have a new life, a new heart. His spirit within you. You open your eyes and you behold God. He puts a spirit within man so that there exists no more infidelity on the bride's part, that she should be punished. For God says in Hosea 2, 19 through 20, go back to that text with me. Look what happens. God says, I'm going to take you away into my canopy, into my tent. I put my spirit within you, and now there's no more infidelity for in you because I have made you what? Look at the, look at the adjectives. Look at all the adjectives when he betrothes you to him forever. He says, in righteousness, in justice, in loving kindness, in compassion, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will truly know me. So I just ask you again from the beginning, do you know the Lord? As the Lord whisked you away into the canopy and put His Spirit within you and made you righteous, given you justice, 
given you his loving kindness, his compassion, made you in faithfulness. Do you know him? In that you will truly know me. I mean, what does all that remind you of? What does this remind you of, Hosea? It reminds you of the new covenant. This should remind you of the new covenant of grace. I will betroth you, marry you, consummate this marriage, put righteousness and justice and loving kindness and compassion, faithfulness. It reminds you of the new covenant. Look at Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, he says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me Ishi. No longer will you call me harsh taskmaster. There will be days that are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers, with Moses on the mountain that scared them to death. Not that one. When I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a faithful to them, declares the Lord, but this, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law inside of you. And on their heart, I will write it. I will be their God and they will be my people. They won't have to teach each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, know the Lord. Why not? Well, because on that day, declares the Lord, I will betroth you to me forever in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and compassion and faithfulness. Then you and all of Israel will know that I am the Lord. They won't have to teach one another anymore. They all will know the Lord. They will all love the Lord. Remember what I said? You can't love the Lord if you don't know the Lord. They will love the Lord because they will know the Lord. Verse 34, I will not teach again. They will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. This betrothal is an everlasting covenant with the remnant of Israel through Christ. This is the promise of the new covenant in Christ Jesus to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. They will come to have faith in Jesus Christ just like Father Abraham. Like Father Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob had faith in Jesus Christ, the seed, the Messiah to come, to die in our place, to raise, to forgive us of our sins and give us everlasting life. There is a remnant of Israel where days are coming, declares the Lord that he will come and save this remnant. They will receive righteousness, says Hosea, by faith that they could never gain by following the law. Jesus did it for all. For them and for you and for me. Don't try to follow the law as if it's your righteousness. Don't come to church as if it's your righteousness. Don't teach the Bible as if it's your righteousness. Don't do good things as if it's your righteousness. Do them because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is inside of you. Sometimes that's hard to discern. Sometimes it's hard to discern. Why are you doing it? 
Do you do it because you love the Lord? That's why you should do it. Jesus did it for all. By faith, they will be justified. For God's justice against all sin was poured out on Jesus, their and our Messiah. There's no other Messiah to come and bear our sin and to die in our place and to raise again. God's loving kindness will not be removed from them, nor will the covenant of peace be shaken. Through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the Lord will have compassion upon them. That's what Hosea is showing us. That's what Hosea is telling us. And by God's Spirit, with a new heart within them, He will make the unfaithful bride faithful to Him forever and ever. How many of y'all have been faithful to God ever since you've been saved? Can you raise your hand if you've always been faithful to God? You never sinned since the day you were born again. You can't. We know we will still sin. We're in process of sanctification, being made more holy. We sin, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to wash us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we don't forgive one another, neither does our Father in heaven forgive us. It's obvious. We have sin and we need God's forgiveness and we need others' forgiveness. We need to confess our sin and be forgiven. You see it. But right here, in this day, when God betrothes Israel, this remnant, and all of the people who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when He brings them into this thousand-year reign where our children will play with the cobras... (laughs) It will never again be a faithless moment of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you dream of that day? Can you long for that day? The day that you will never, ever, ever commit another sin. What a day that will be. Amen? You will be faithful to Him always and forever. Jeremiah. Go a couple more pages. Jeremiah 32, verse 37 through 41. You got to love this. This is God saying, I will gather them. Jeremiah 32, 37. He says, Behold, I will gather them out of the lands to which I have driven them in my anger. In my wrath and in my great indignation, I'm going to bring them back to this place and make them dwell in safety. They shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart One way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will never ever again turn away from them to do them good. I will put my fear of of me in their hearts. They'll not turn away from me. I will rejoice over them to do them good and will, will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. My Ishi, my man, my husband. And the conclusion of all of this is what? Again, Hosea 2.20. And you will know the Lord. Hosea 6.6. 6. You got you to hear this. Take everything I said to you and hear Hosea 6.6. 6. For all of us who 
want to make everybody happy. <laughs> they want to serve anybody and everybody. Hosea 6, 6. He says, God says, I, I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifices. I delight in knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Pull back and talk to your man, Ishi, your father in heaven, your God, your savior, your king, your prince, and ask him if he's asking you to sacrifice what you're sacrificing. Ask him if you know him or are you just serving him as if he needs you? Are you spending time with him? Are you talking to him, communing with him? Are you walking with him? Are you spending time with the Lord because that's what he wants? He wants to be with you. He wants loyalty, not your burnt offerings. But God, I did this, I did this, I did that. He's like, I didn't ask you to. I asked you to sit with me and be with me. Come here. Come by my side. Come by my side. And listen to him. Shh. Be still. Be still. And listen. Because he wants to speak kindly to your heart. No longer calling him harsh taskmaster because I don't know him. But now betrothed by Ishi, husband forever, they have God's love. Many a heart has been touched by this, a strange story this guy Tennyson had writ, wrote with so much tenderness. He wrote the story, the Lord of Burleigh disguised as a poor landscape painter. He was captivated by the beauty of a humble village maiden, and determined to make her his bride, but introduced her to a mansion instead of a cottage. Born down by the burden of an honor to which she was never born, the loved one, she pined away and died. The beauty of the bride explains the, the, this, that story of love. You get it. He was this king. He pretended to be this Painter and her beauty. She's like, he says, I want her to be my bride. But when he brought her to the mansion, she pined away and died. That, that, I, you get that. But no such explanation can be found for the choice of him who says, I will betroth you unto me forever. Because the betrothed one, you and me and all of Israel, we have nothing to commend ourselves to the notice of such a bridegroom but our helplessness, our deformity, our wretchedness. There is no beauty in us that he should desire us. We're a rebel, an alien, outcast, yet, yet marvels of marvels, the prince of the kings of the earth, he shed his love upon us. He became poor that we might become rich. He bore our sin 
that we might bear His righteousness. He bore our reproach that we might bear His glory. He gave Himself up for her because no less gift would suffice to lift us from our sin and place us at His side. Can you say amen? We search in vain for a story of love like this. It's unique. And we think of it till with tear-filled eyes and trembling voice we sing. Jesus, thy boundless love to me, no thought can reach, no tongue declare. By God's love, you come to know him. You come to know him, and this is eternal life. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that you know Ishi, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. This is true. It's the same for all peoples of the earth. God's love sent his son to redeem his bride, the church. She's the debtor, deformed, a prostitute, an enemy. By grace through faith, we receive what? Righteousness. We receive and become, we come righteous. We receive loving kindness, mercies, becoming faithful forever. And there's no separation No separation of the parties for any cause. No offense can possibly arise, be given, or be taken so as to separate the church from its head. No other lover can possibly steal away the affections of believers from Jesus Christ. Oh, there are many compacts between man and man. But time breaks them all. Here is a covenant which time cannot break. God entered in a covenant with Jesus Christ on the part of the church. And Christ has undertaken to preserve us during the existence of time. One might ask, can sin separate us? To that, Christ would answer on our behalf, no. Not as touching eternity. Can sin separate? And Jesus says, no. Not as touching eternity. Let me read one more and then we'll close. The wooing and the wedding. It's a a tender, tenderly beautiful figure. Surely one of the sweetest and most exquisite in God's word. I will betroth thee unto me forever. The communion of ideal wedlock is used to express the ideal relationship between the soul and the Lord. We are to be married unto the Lord. Look into the heart of it and see how much the gracious figure reveals. What do we find in consecrated wedlock even along the the plains of common life? Let me lift out some of its contents. There is an affection which is creative of sweet and fruitful repose. There is a perfect trust which is the minister of mutual revelation. There is a sensitive sympathy in which all secrecy is destroyed. There is an intercourse which is like a sea of glass mingled with fire. So crystalline is its purity, so warm and genial is its tone. 
There's a large companionship whose commerce consists of the deepest and wealthiest treasures of life. In ideal wedlock, deep calleth upon deep. And the primary springs of the beings are in confluence. All this I find in sanctified marriage. And now the figure is lifted up and sublimed and used to interpret my possible relationship to God. Thy maker is thy hu- thine husband. Thy maker is thine husband. I will betroth thee unto me forever. Then there is to be a wedding. There is to be a wedding of the soul and its savior, of the nation and its king. That wedding is the crown and consummation of human blessings. The wedding enshrines the secret of moral and spiritual growth. To bring that wedding about is the aim and purpose of every kind and type of Christian ministry. That's our goal. Is have every soul married to the Lord. By the love of God through Christ Jesus, you have been betrothed to Ishi forever. Now, know him, go know him, and enjoy him forever. And all God's people say, amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for betrothing us to you causing us to be your bride and you being our, our issue, our husband. Help us, Lord, to have that name for you, that we, that we know you, that we're comfortable in your presence, that we find peace and safety and refuge, and that we fear nothing coming to, from you. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, we have peace with you and refuge with you, and we have forgiveness with you. We have been given righteousness. God, help us to know that without a doubt. Grow our faith. Bless your people, Lord, this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.